Do you have a story to tell? Here at Rider on the Road, it's the journey that matters. Regardless of where you are on your riding journey, Rider on the Road will inspire you to take your dreams and make them happen. So sit back and enjoy the show as Melinda brings you guests who know what it's like to go it alone and who are willing to reach out to the rest of us by sharing their stories. Authors, publishers, entrepreneurs, people at all stages of the riding journey, just like you and me. It's time, dear listeners, to answer the question for yourselves. Do you have a story to tell? Welcome to Rider on the Road and it's a very, very special week here. We've got our five-day entrepreneur business of writing mini-series kicking off today and at the same time it's the kicking off of my year of living creatively, a writer's journey. So I'm going to attempt in the next 12 months to live purely off my writing money and whatever else I can manage to bring into the household. My daughters are relying on me, as you know, we've got our house now and they don't want to move back into the caravan. So if I fail and you hear that we're back out in a paddock, it's because I didn't make enough money and I'll be in all sorts of trouble. My daughter's threatened to camp out in the house and squat. So it's up to me uh, and it's a little bit scary, but I'm sure that I can do it. I'm sure that we can do it. And I'm hoping that you'll share the journey over the next 12 months with me as I bore you to tears about the miniature of a writer's creative life and how it is possible to actually make a living at our craft nowadays. And that's what I'm hoping to, that's what I'm hoping the outcome will be. Uh, but we'll see what happens. So I've got five great people here to help me kick off this um, year of living creatively. And I'm hoping you'll enjoy listening to them as much as I enjoyed talking to them. Uh, as usual, if you could um, pop over to iTunes and leave a review, that'd be great. Uh, the other news that I've got going on is that our Christmas box set, as I record this, is racing into the top 20 of the Amazon, whatever the Amazon does, Amazon sales. So everyone's very excited and they said we have to keep promoting this thing. I'll be putting up a podcast with the seven people who were part of that box set. So that's coming up. I'll probably do that uh, today or tomorrow. Another part that we've got happening is our first teenage story slinger has completed her novel. And I just found out tonight that my second teenage story slinger has got two inches to go before she's finished her novel. So that's very, very exciting as well. For me personally, I started my research today on my historical novel that will follow on from The Miner's Wife. This one's called The Timbercutter's Daughter. So we've got lots happening here. We're off to Noosa for a week's holiday next week. Um, But in the meantime, we've got our five days happening. I hope you enjoy it. I won't introduce the rest of the week. Don't worry. Um, But sit back and enjoy Barry Watson. Welcome to another episode of Writer on the Road. Today we're going to New Zealand and I have Barry Watson on the other end of the line. Good morning, Barry. Uh, good morning, Kia ora. How are you? Oh, beautiful. Can you, what was the word? Kia ora. Kia ora. It's, uh, Maori. Maori for hello. Oh, beautiful. We went to Hawaii and I was there for a month and I learned a little bit of um, the Hawaiian language and I've forgotten it. And then when you said that, I thought, ah, the Maori language is just as beautiful and musical, (laughs) isn't it? Okay. Um, Now, Barry is a sales enthusiast, enthusiast and a confidence coach. And he's here with me today, A, to build my confidence in selling and stop me giving everything away, and B, to help uh, you guys out there as well, because my, as you know, my motto is if I'm struggling with something, then I'm guessing that some of you may be as well. So Barry, uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself before we go into the selling part of our conversation today? 
Yeah, yeah, no, thanks, Melinda, and thanks you for having me on, and thank you for everyone who's listening to this, whether it be in your car or in your and you're doing the dishes or whatever you're doing. Um, yeah, Barry Watson, sales enthusiast, and the name really depicts my personality. I'm, I would say, a very passionate, enthusiastic individual. I have got two um, daughters, one's 18, one's 22, and I've got one wife, which is very good, and we've been married for 25 years next year, which would be a milestone given some of our history, but um, that may be for another time, another story. Um, I, I love selling. I've been involved in a number of selling um, situations, but I must say I love selling now. When I started selling, Melinda, I hated selling. I mean, really, when you face it, who on earth wants to get up every day and face no, no, uh, no, 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 no. Disappointment, rejection, setbacks. No one wants that job. And so that was me many, many years ago, but through a number of things, and I can talk about those later on, I've got to a point where actually I really do love selling, and I don't get fearful picking up the phone. I don't get fearful calling upon businesses or asking people to look at something or to view something or to buy something um, because, you know, the confidence to build up. And, and now, as, as, as well as I've done in selling, my joy now, though, and my satisfaction and a lot of where my income is is going to be heading uh, and derived from soon is from helping other people. I've just come back from the US where I was a national uh, sales training manager for a very large company. We had about eight, 900 sales uh, people and I was involved with the training development of them and I love helping people become better at selling. Yeah, and that's why he's here today, guys. Uh, as you know, I'm starting my year of living creatively in exactly three weeks now, and I need to stop giving my stuff away, and I need to start selling it. And Barry's here to help me. And the fir very first thing that we have to look at, Barry, is redefining our view of selling. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think from the outset, whenever you think of selling, people go, oh, no, no, I'm not a salesperson. Because what they do is they equate selling with being intrusive, selling with being pushy, selling with being literally a pain in the butt or a pain in somebody's neck. You know that, I think everyone has that uncle, everyone has that person in their family that, you know, they never hear from. And all of a sudden you get a phone call from you, you think, what's up? And then you, they, they're inviting you to some meeting. What's this meeting about? And it's, it's a network marketing meeting or they're trying to shove something down your throat and you think, oh, heck, you know. Well, the insurance agent, the used car salesman, look at all this bad sort of, image that's been tainted, you know, um, through a lot of unscrupulous uh, salespeople. So I think that's with the image that we have. And, and people like you who are, you know, your typical solopreneur, um, to avoid being perceived as that, we will either do one or two things. We will either um, go one way or the other. We will uh, not do anything because we don't upset anybody or we'll go the other extreme where we'll get involved in something, but we'll give away the kitchen sink to get a sale. And that sale will literally be a lose-win. We'll lose, the customer will win. And it happens, either you'll give stuff away, give it like free, or you'll give away copious amounts of discounts, um, and the customer thinks, great, but that's fine giving away discounts. But you know what happens when they refer people? You know what those referred people want? Ah, you got it, they want a discount as well. So your business is going down, it's going down south really quickly. You don't want that to happen. So yeah, Melinda, the whole area of redefining it because the way that you think derives what you do. And so what you do as a person, when you see somebody who's doing very well in the sales area and any area of life, it's because they think differently. 
you look at somebody who's not doing very well in the sales area and has fears and hang-ups or just their bottom line is is really bottom line, um, uh, it's because of the way that they think. You know, thoughts derive activity. Yeah, and don't we know it as indie publishers, everyone? Uh, it's it's one of my bugbears, and I rant about it all the time. It's ninety nine cents for for work that we've slaved over. We're not we're not valuing what we do. Traditional publishers are holding their ground, and they're still ch- um, selling their their authors' work for for a reasonable value. Uh, but indie publishers come in and just to get a sale or just to get heard, they work out if they can sell lots and lots of books at ninety nine cents, then that they will be they will make their money. But then we've got people who are giving it all away for free anyway. So it's that downward spiral into nothingness. And I think mm. we were our own worst enemies. Mm. Yeah, we are. We are. I mean, I know that when I first put out my book. I had it for free for five days, which is, I think, too long. Now, actually, I wouldn't give away. I only give them away for about three days for free, and there's reasons why I do that. And then I goes to 99 cents, and then straight to 2.99. Um, but I know in my first book, though, I went from free to 99 cents, and I stuck it at dollar 99. And I've always heard that, you know, like at dollar 99 is like being in the middle of the road, getting hit by both sides of the traffic between 99 cents and $2.99. It's like in sort of that Middle Earth, nowhere land. And so um, I know that I put mine up to $2.99. But I think if I had a bigger book, I'd stick it up to $3.99 or $4.99. Every book has their place. And I think $2.99 is a sweet spot. But if it's a bigger book and it's getting some good traction, I can't see why you can't put it at $3.99 or $4.99. Hey, listen, you know, we're in this we're in this to make money. We're in this, yeah, you can say I'm here to help people and change people's lives. Yes, you are. But at the same time, it'd be nice to think you can make some money out of it. Because as you said, Melinda, you think of how many hours it actually takes to write any book that's a quality book. You can write a junk in a weekend, but if you're writing a quality book, it takes hours. And that's not that's on that's on top of the editing cost, that's on top of any formatting you get done, um, yeah, the cover, all those professional services, the advertising that you're gonna need. So you know, a book can set you back you know, four to five hundred dollars easily without having to think too much, too hard about it. Yeah, and and uh, again, I, I stand by traditional publishers don't give their authors work away. I understand it as a, I guess, a lead magnet. I understand it as a marketing idea, um, but generally, um, as as a purchaser purchaser of books. I actually value something that the author values. So if I see yeah. something that's for free or cheap, I actually equate, oh, is that good quality? Um, mm. So I, I just I just wonder whether we can start this little movement, just you and me, and saying let's value what we do. Because I know our purchases, um, like they're on $1,000 or $1,500 a week. They pay more for the cup of coffee, which is the thing that I hear bandied around all the time. Yeah, um, right. Why why wouldn't they buy our books? So if we if we put that free and cheap aside, uh, talk us through some of the things that we can do uh, so that we can redefine our view of sales and start that process of valuing what we do. Yeah. Valuing your book is a reflection of how you value yourself, I believe. So I think we've all downloaded a book. We saw, oh, that's a really good cover, or that's quite a catchy title, or I really like the subject matter. We've downloaded it, and then we realize, oh, this is only like 30 or 40 or 50 pages long. It's like really lightweight, and we start getting into it, and, 
and heck, it's got typos all over it. It doesn't make sense. I mean, it's just so lightweight in terms of the content. There's no depth to it. We think, oh, this is a waste of time. And even though it was free, we actually got no value out of it. And so to, to value your book, I think you've got to value yourself. You've got to value the, the time that it takes to write a book. Like, let's imagine that it takes you, say, three months to write a book. And I could ask you, how long did it take you to write that book? And you could say, it took me three months. In reality, it actually didn't take you three months. It took you actually a lifetime of experience to be able to have the skills to be able to write that book in three months. And so, you know, how much did all that time, that emotional energy and that upskilling, the education, that degree cost you to be able to put that book together in three months? And so that comes back to valuing what the the expertise that you're bringing to someone now whether you're in you're telling a story and you're going to entertain somebody like in a fiction book or whether you're in a non-fiction space where you're trying to bring a transformation you, you're wanting to bring something to the audience and you're hoping that your readership are going to be wowed by it are going to be transformed by it are going to be entertained by it and if you feel in yourself that you are bringing that level of engagement to the subject matter or to the topic at hand then i think that that's really where it all starts and so that's the first place and the second place is you've got to have sort of like a plan i think you know when i thought oh man i can remember my first book put my first book out there you know and oh, i don't i'm embarrassed to say this but i was wondering whether or not i'd actually be able to cram in my full-time job together with all the exposure that i was going to get because i put this book out i mean how naive <laughs> was i you know i was made i, I just I was imagining this, I'll go on Oprah or Alan DeGeneres and, you know, how's that going to work, getting time off work and all the rest of it? I mean, how egotistical was that? <laughs> hey, we've all got a dream, Barry. We've all got a dream that we're going to be infamous one day. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. But it just timing is the other thing too, you know. So, <laughs> But my, my thoughts of grandeur and, you know, this being my, the, lotter, the, the lottery ticket to, to my success, it just did not happen at all. Um, so firstly, you've got to have um, you got to be value yourself, which means that you value your, the content that you put out, and obviously you'll put a price on that. Um, because here's the thing: that if you don't value what you're putting out, don't expect anyone else to. Don't expect anybody to raise the price of your book if you don't raise the price of your book. No one's going to turn down. No one's going to probably not buy your book because it's well. People may buy your book because it's too cheap, actually, or because it's free. And so there's another thing. But also, you've got to have a bit of a plan behind it as well. You, you can't just put out a book and then expect the world to come running. You know that old saying, Belinda, where if you build this, the world's best mouse trap, you go into the middle of the forest, people, you know, chop down the trees to find it. I mean, that's just a lot of rubbish. That ain't going to happen unless you value your book, unless you can have some good marketing around that book. Um, it, it's just not going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. Yeah, and marketing and sales go hand in hand. And I was pretty excited this morning when I downloaded your cheat sheet um, because yeah. it's a seven-point cheat, uh, cheat sheet, everybody. And that's, <laughs> that's how really, to say early really. in the morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I'll, I'll um, link it in the show notes at the end. Um, but it has some fantastic ideas. It's not full of reading, everybody. It's just a checklist that we can follow uh, to market and sell our books and the focus of it actually is turned on its head, isn't it, Barry? Um, tell us, tell us a little bit about. We're looking at it from the customer's point of view. Yeah, we are because I think too often it's a bit like going on a date. Because I've written some relationship books. You know, if you're a guy, you can sit there talking about cars and talking about mechanics of how engines work and 
about the rugby and stuff like that, and that's fine. Some ladies are into that. But if the person you're dating is not into that, you know that that date's not going to get onto second base. You're not going to go on a second date. It ain't going to happen. So it's really important that you, like in terms of selling, you use language, you use images, you use um, the channels of marketing that people are engaged in. Um, then there's that old saying, and some of you would have heard this before, that people are tuned into a radio station called WIIFM. WIIFM stands for what's in it for me. And we as consumers, your readers as consumers of your material, are asking exactly the same, that. What's in it for me? Why on earth should I stop what I'm doing, give you my email, give you my money to be able to get that lead magnet, to be able to get your book? What is it? So you've got to use language. And that's uh, that, that's appealing to people. And I've, I've seen some covers of some books which um, frustrate me <laughs> slightly, where, they, where they'll say in their title or the subtitle, um, you know, uh, I something about I failed in my in my business and learned how I got back up. Well, that's good for Fred that he well not good for Fred that he failed, but really good for Fred that he got back up. But you know that's to me more of a memoir than it is actually a, like a nonfiction book. Whereas if he turned it around, you know, like this, learn how you can go from failing setback to getting back up or something like that. That that's like oh people can identify with that and then Fred can use his experience to to be able to support that so that's a whole area of language methodology yeah yeah and I've I've been in a few Facebook groups and it's an interesting thing too because people have put up what do you think of this title and they'll put all those words I and me and my experiences and one of them was bullying and this guy was bullied as a kid and he was writing a bullying book. And he put these three or four titles up and he, he kept saying, which one, which one? And all these people are picking a title. And I went yeah. on and said, um, I wouldn't buy any of those, but if you mm. tell me how, to, how I would, can be, um, stop being bullied, then I'd consider it. Mm. And the conversation went quiet and nobody had talked to me anymore. <laughs> I, I know. I know. Well, sometimes you look at them, which, one, which cover do you like? Um, in, in one word, none. Yeah, you know, or, or, or they'll start off by saying in the Facebook groups, "Oh, listen, I really love these covers. Which one do you like best?" It's, mm. You know, and a lot of people won't comment, and you know by the absence of comments that people actually don't like it. It's not they haven't seen it; they just don't want to hurt the person's feelings. Yeah, and I, I think like um, one of the things we're going to touch on, Barry and everyone, is Barry's got an entrepreneur mastermind group, uh, mm. which is pretty exciting because it's it's got a group of people who are. Uh, probably, I won't say experts in their field, but probably they're experts in their field and they they support each other. And I'm going to suggest that, you know, it's great to have all the Facebook groups and you make fantastic friendships. But when it comes to marketing your work and selling your work, make sure you surround yourself with people who know what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. One of the things that I, we, I was in a group self-publishing school together with a number of other people in our group. And it was very good, very supportive. We really enjoyed it. But at the end of it, we're thinking, looking over the fence saying, okay, what next? We've put out a first book. We've put out a second book. What are we going to do now? And so we formed our own group. And my idea behind getting it, getting it together was being able to have um, a high caliber of people. Like in most face author Facebook groups, anybody can get involved. In our one, you have to at least publish one nonfiction book. And so if you haven't... Um, done that you can't get in our group and so there's the level the entry level is a bit higher than than many others 
and what we do is, yeah, we support each other through comments, through um, blogs. We, we post that we may have either written or been interviewed on or um, written. Um, uh, and then we also got some, we also do some webinars from time to time. We've got a Authorpreneur Success Summit coming up very soon with some really good speakers. And then next year, I'm going to put up a challenge for them. Uh, I won't mention it what it is because it is a bit of a surprise. <laughs> um, but we really, uh, next year, I'm really wanting to leverage off the great skills and abilities that everyone has and to be able to combine that with the inspiration and the aspirations that they have to be able to significantly launch their their entrepreneurial business to the next level and um, that's the whole thing of what we want to do as a group next year but the the reason we started the group was to be able to help us as entrepreneurs sell more books grow our personal brand and promote our back-end products because sometimes the book itself, even though it doesn't matter what it's priced at, 99 cents, 299, 399, etc., um, it really is, is, I suppose, a bit of a teaser some ways that people would get interested in us and they'll use us as entrepreneurs for whether it be coaching, whether it be our online courses, or whether it be its speaking engagements as well. So we really want to build on that back-end type thing as well. Okay, everybody. Um Look, just I'll, I'll just let you in on a little secret. I'm trying to infiltrate this group, and once I get inside it, I'll be able to tell everyone what's going on there. Um, <laughs> so I'm working on it, everybody. I've got the cover. I've got the draft. Once it's published, I'll, I'll send Barry an email, and I'll say, can I, can I play too? Um, yes, I'm, I'm you can ex- come in. You'll be welcome. The doors will be wide open. <laughs> and the Authorpreneur's Success Summit, um, I'll certainly keep my ear to the ground for that one because that sounds really exciting. And mm. the thing that you can't tell us about, now, we have people on the podcast all the time who make that statement to us, and we promise faithfully that we won't tell. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All I was going to say is that those who are in the group, we're putting out uh, an opportunity, a challenge that will significantly take their business from where it is to ideally where they want it to go. In other words, it'll help bridge the gap between where they are and their dream that's ahead of them. So that's all I'm going to say at this point. Uh, See, these guys roll over so easy, don't they? Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right. Now, I'm I'm pretty excited you were talking about um, personal brands and back-end products. Now, as as an entrepreneur myself and as um, someone who's going to survive on my income for the next year, keep in mind, everybody, I haven't earned anything yet, um, but it's going to happen in three weeks' time. God knows how. Um, Personal brand, back-end products, so I've got my novel, I've got my PhD novel, I've got my Teenage uh, Story Slingers novel writing course, I'm looking at um, mentoring teens. Uh, what else and what else should I be doing to get word out there that this is happening and the doors are open? Mm. I think um, you've got to build up, you've got to obviously continually build up your list. Um, your list is the bigger it gets, the better it's going to be for you. But also I think not only build up your list you've also got to warm up your list as well and so you can't you know and it's similar to a book melinda where you write the book you know your your facebook group never hears from you for months and all of a sudden bam you come out and you say like can everyone review my book i'm launching it on you know in two days time whoa whoa where'd that come from it's almost as though you hide behind a tree and you you jump out and everyone gets scared and here i am you know (laughs) come and follow me i'm the next best thing um you've got to warm up you've got to build your list you've got to warm up your list um, you've got to be able to give 
people um, some some free stuff. You know, I know that some this uh, Edmund Pagan, who's one of the masters of online courses, he talks about that he does something different and he gives away a lot of his best stuff for free. His uh, his sort of um, thinking is that if you can engage people and excite them on your on your best stuff, then there's other things that they're going to think, man, if he's going to give us the best stuff away for free, what else has he got? And so that's one of the sort of tools that he uses. Um, but I know that people have in terms of course development, you know, three-part course. I know webinars are very strong at the moment or a three, a five, a seven-day challenge. I think seven days is too long. I think a five, three or a five-day challenge. Probably a five-day challenge is good. Um, actually, I'm, I'm on this other course right now, and she's doing like a 30-day challenge. Um, and I think, wow, that's a long time. But she only does like two-minute videos each section, so it doesn't take too long. Um, but just on that whole area of the personal brand too, you know, you can call yourself an author. You can call yourself a writer. You can call yourself, like for me, a sales coach. But, you know, I, I changed it. I, I thought to myself, you know, you really got to – um, cause people to go, oh, wow, that, that's different, and cause some intrigue and some interest. That's why I call myself a sales enthusiast. You know, I don't know anybody else who calls themselves a sales enthusiast, but I do, and I want to get noticed. Um, one of the people we've got speaking on our Entrepreneur Success Summit, his name is Doberman Dan. Now, Doberman Dan, you're going to think, now that's an interesting name, Doberman Dan. It causes you to go, oh, curious, you know. Uh, and he, he does... <laughs> coincidentally he does work in terms of personal branding so think about yourself think about the uniqueness of who you are and the difference that you may be able to bring um you know some of you think well i'm not unique everyone's the same as me no 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 you listen the thing is if you think that everyone's going to think that if you think differently everyone else will start thinking differently i, I can't stress enough Melinda, you know, if, if your audience, it comes back to what you believe in yours, who you believe you are. When you look in your mirror, who do you see? Somebody, somebody who's not very good, somebody who's average, or somebody who is an amazing person who's on a road to um, an amazing place. You know. Yeah, and I think I think one of the things that we're really bad at, Barry, and I don't know whether it's a woman thing or or I don't know what it is, but we're trained to boost everyone around us up. And, and we don't worry about ourselves as much. I notice I, I put an awful lot of energy in telling my daughters how beautiful and how wonderful they are. Um, yeah. But I've I, I got to admit that I haven't looked at myself. Um, and it's interesting because we don't do it very well, especially as writers, because we're introverts. Yes, yes, we are. You know, a laptop in a cafe or a laptop in a lonely room, you know, hey, we're good. We Leave us here for months. <laughs> Just feed us intra intravenously and we're good. <laughs> coffees here and there, a bit of chocolate. Hey, we're good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, five o'clock sunset drinks, don't forget. Uh, yeah, we are <laughs> writers think, after all. Yeah. <laughs> but there's two sides of being a successful writer. One is that person who can lock away the world, get deep in their mind, get deep in their soul and their spirit and their, and their, and their emotions and put all that material onto paper, figuratively, onto the laptop Um but then also you need to be able to market the book, a, a book that's the best book in the world that's sitting on someone's shelves or no one knows about it amongst the three point whatever million or five million books there are on KDP or Amazon right now is going to be good to no one. The best book that isn't selling is a bad book. And so you've got to know how to write intelligently, write in ways that which engage audience, but at the same time, 
your job is not finished as an author or an entrepreneur when you publish that book. Your job is just starting, but it's a new job that's starting, and that is not you as the writer, it's you as the marketer. And you've got to be proficient at both of them. Otherwise, your book will not get into as many hands as you want it to. And I think it doesn't matter what you write, nonfiction or nonfiction, what do you want to do? You want to be able to help people in some way, you know, entertain them, inform them. Your book is not going to do either of those two things if people aren't going to know about it. And so, you know, that's a trap that I fell into in my first book. I just didn't realize that. Um, after you've written it, after it's published, the hard work begins. I'm <laughs> trying to market the thing. Yeah, and this is where this is where I get really, really excited, Barry. Uh, forget the fact that I'm going to die of poverty in my attic. Uh, I just think there are so many opportunities nowadays um, as indie publishers, uh, fiction or non-fiction. We are just sitting in this arena where mm. the world is really our oyster. Um, my mm. family's just doing this big trip around. Oh, they've been to Venice, they've been to Paris, they're in London at the moment. And I, I talk to them like they're in the next room. And, mm. we got, you know, the sales are pushing into India and China and Southeast Asia and all those places. Mm. If we can't engage with our readers all over the world, then we're not doing our job right. No, no, no. And as you say, the internet makes it so much easier than it was many, many years ago that we can engage with, you know, author and author like we are today with each other, um, engage with their audience, build up a list of international people. I mean, years ago, if, if you were, you and I were living, we're living out in New Zealand and Australia, um, how on earth would we be able to engage with people over in America years ago? How on earth would we do that? Uh, if we could, it'd be horrendously expensive, but through the, through the use of the internet, we can now do that. As you said, we can have a global audience and a global reach and we can do that from our office. We can do it from a kitchen table. I mean, it's, it's an amazing if, and, and you understand this, and I'm sure your authors, your um, audience understand this also, the huge potential. It's only limited by your imagination. That's, that's the only ceiling. It's not the money you've got. It's how much you believe is how much you can achieve. Yeah, and look, I this is I do get a bit carried away because I, I do get excited. But on Facebook the other day, a lady put up a cover of a novel, and she was she was very proudly holding up this cover and saying, "Look, I've got my <clears throat> excuse me, I've got my first French translation." And I immediately mm. went on and said, "Oh, that is really exciting! I want that book." And she sent me back and she said, "Oh, it's available in Australia in English under this name." And I'm going, "No, I want it in French because I click <laughs> I click French Millsies. It's, it's one of my little hobbies, so I can practice my French." Um, <laughs> but to be able to get that, but for me to get my hands on that book, I, ha I and I do subscribe to a French um, romance uh, newsletter through Harlequin, but it's in French, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. so I can I can I can get my hands on them. But to be able to physically get our hands on books in foreign language can be quite a challenge still. Um, yeah. But digitally, we can do it in a nanosecond. Oh, that's that's great! Not only can we get our hands on our on those books, we can help our audience get their hands on our books, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is even more important. <laughs> I'm not sure. My book's called The Miner's Wife, and I'm thinking I could probably sell it in Canada, but I'm not sure they'd want it in France. It's a, it's a bit of a challenge. Um, but yeah. in, in the romance genre especially, like I think I've downloaded all Bella Andre's um, books in French, and I look at them 
and I get very excited about them. I can't read them, but it's, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna. <laughs> uh, all right, moving this conversation right along before I go into my Francophile um, spiel. Uh, you were talking about becoming more confident at selling our mastermind groups, um, um, our cheat sheet. One of your things you've got on your website that I just wrote down because I love, why be average when you can be awesome? Every day you wake up, you wake up with a thought that this is going to be an awful day. I've got this feeling. I might as well just stay in bed. <laughs> I, can see, I can see the clouds coming over as, as I speak now. Um, or you can think, this day is going to be okay. Or you can say, this day is, day is going to be great. You, know, you, you can't change the things outside of you. You know, Stephen Covey in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he talks about your sphere of influence. And you can't control things around you but the thing that you can control is yourself and the thing that most important thing or one of the most important things in you that you can control is your mind you can control what you think you can control what you whether it's going to be a positive day whether it's going to be a neutral day whether it's going to be a sensational day and you know i believe that your mind is a magnet that whatever you think is what comes to you and so yes you can when you believe that you can actually see things um that you're not experiencing right now. Let me let me give an example with this. Many many years ago, uh, probably uh, over a decade ago, uh, that's a lot for me, by the way. Um, I, I had this I had this dream book. I had this dream book, and I started posting pictures, putting you know posting pictures in those days, actually cutting things out of magazine, put, posting pictures in my scrapbook of things I wanted. I had some things of America. I had some um, cars in there. I had a nice watch, a picture of a watch. Um, I had a picture of a corporate jet, and I had all these things in there. Now, uh, those were things that in my heart that I felt that I wanted to experience or own one day, but at that time. I had absolutely no way in which I was going to achieve that. How on earth was I going to get to America? How on earth was I going to work in America? How, how on earth was I going to get to go on a corporate jet? I mean, for goodness sake, I don't even know if there is one in New Zealand, you know, with a real fancy corporate jet. Um, but nevertheless, I had a big what, but I didn't know how. I just put that scrapbook away and from probably every two or three times a year, I just bring it out and just flip through it and things like that. But let me give you an example on that jet. Several years ago, I got to work for a company in the US, and that's a big long story in itself, and guess what they owned? They owned a, corp- a private jet, which I got to go on about 12 times. And that really, I think, you live out of the abundance of what you think. If you think that, oh, you know, life's tough and it's going to be hard and I don't know how I'm going to get sell my books and, you know, I'm going to be one of those struggling authors. You know, we all know about the struggling author. You know, isn't it funny, Melinda? People think, oh, you've sold a book. Oh, wow. Are you, when are you going to retire? The right things are going when I'm 95. <laughs> hey, I get my, I get my um, royalties from Ingram Sparks, and I think the last one was $95. And I went, wow, it's going up. The one before that was $33. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. See, that was like a, a threefold yeah. increase. So you're doing well. Oh, um, I think it's the reach of the podcast. It's just amazing. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. It's, it's the quality of the speakers they have on it. That's right. So um, when you win, see, it doesn't really matter where you are, it's where you're going. 
And so whether you're earning $95 an author today or whether you're earning nothing today as an author, in fact, you know, you're actually negative because you're spending more than what you're getting. And that, that is, that's fine. That's what happens. It's not where you are. It's where you're going. And why be average? Why be just that struggling author when you could actually be those, those better authors? Once a month, many authors know Amazon put out a – uh, a list of how much you can earn as a top author. And I think the top, was it the number one or one, one to five or something like that, get 25000 American dollars a month as the top selling author for a particular month through KDP. Um, you know, and I've had that written up on my thing. You know, one day it'd be awesome for me to get a $25,000 check in that one month over and above all the other money that I'd get through sales to get to that point, if you understand what I'm saying. So, you know, you, what is, I heard one day that life is, you're either one or two things, you're either the thermostat or you're the thermometer as an author. So a, therm, a, a thermometer basically just tells the temperature. You know, you put it in, oh, yep, that's 35 degrees. Okay, that's fine. But a thermostat, you set the temperature at whatever level you want it to be. And as, as an author, you have the opportunity to do that. You can be happy. And I know you aren't at getting, you know, $95 a month. <laughs> or you can think, okay, I want to be able to make this a full-time gig. And so you start with the end in mind. I want to be earning, I'll just pick a figure of the year, $5,000 of net income a month. Then you work backwards of what have I, firstly, who do I have to be? I've got to be that person before I can actually achieve that as a person. And so, you know, that's the goals. That's the dream that we have. And I, uh, yeah, I can go on about this, so I better be quiet. <laughs> I'm still getting over the corporate jet and the 25000 This man aims high. And, and I think that's one of the problems that we have, and it's one of the notes that I made, is that we don't aim high enough. And I've noticed, particularly in the last six months since I've started talking to you guys, that one of the recurring themes that comes over again and again and again is move yourself up to the next level. And you talked about it with your summit coming up next year. Um, I'm mm. putting together this little authorpreneur um, business of writing mini-series. That's so I've right. got five yes. of you. Actually, I've got four of you and me um, telling our stories <laughs> about this authorpreneurship. Um, <laughs> and I think that's one of the things that's leveraging, getting to the next level and mm. being confident in doing it. Um, my, my goal is I sort of don't worry about my books and I, I set myself this wonderful little goal that I wanted to get my podcast downloads up to 10,000 and mm. I think I celebrated at 300. Yeah. <laughs> that was a party. Yeah. Then I celebrated yeah. again Hold at 1,000 and it won't be long yeah. before I, I celebrate my 10,000 and a friend of mine in podcasting gave me this idea, Wally Carmichael. He writes something about men and relationships. And um, it was all very, very exciting. But when I was at 300, there was no way I was going to make 10,000. Um, I yeah. thought 300 was huge. And I thought, I don't know whether you just keep upping the numbers or whether, like you say, you, you stock up on your back-end products and you, and you build your business exponentially. Yeah, I mean, building is one thing, but you've got to be able to build your income uh, relatively to that list as well. So, you know, you get these vanity numbers. Vanity numbers as author is saying that, you know, you are uh, number 781 in the uh, in on, on Amazon, but they're not telling people that it was actually in the free store, not in the paid store. So, you, you know, you, you can't, unless I'm wrong, 
wrong, you can't actually take that to the bank. Uh, <laughs> so, so you may feel, you know, a sense of self um, isolation because you've been able to achieve, and that's fine, that's good. Um, but what, how, what, what's your next plan then, and what's your next plan? So you can't just build up and build up with all these fancy numbers. They've got to be for a reason. You don't build up your business for business sake. You build it up so you can make more money, you can help more people, so your business can be more profitable, giving you more time, giving you more freedom, giving you the ability to do with the money, whether it be using it for yourself, giving it to others, or whatever the case may be, um, to invest back into your business and all that good stuff. So there's got to be a reason behind it. Um, but let me go back to just something I was just saying before, and that is that you've got to be willing to not only set your goals high, but be willing to fail. So what if it doesn't work out? So what if it doesn't work out in the timing or in the, the way or take the route or the route that you thought it would? When you think about it, if you set a higher goal, which we were talking about before, Melinda, what is the worst thing that'll happen? The worst thing that'll happen is it won't happen. That's the worst thing. Now, we don't call that failure. We just call that simply a learning experience. And so if you can set your goals high um, and be willing to fail, I think that's a great thing. That's a great thing because actually you, you won't fail. You may take a different route. That's fine. It may take you less time. It may take you more time. Um, but you'll get there. You'll get there. It's just a matter of how. Yeah, and look, there's so much to unpack in this conversation, everyone, uh, and it's exactly at the point that I'm at, and that's the journey that I'll be going on for the next year, and I'm really, really excited about it, and I'm just going to put all my, my figures out there as we go along, and we can watch something happen, because I, as I say to my daughters, something will always happen, and the thing, um, I guess um, the seven habits of highly effective people have always been a Bible of mine. It got me through the most amazingly brutal divorce I've ever been through, um, which mm. is only one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was my sphere of control and sphere of influence, and that was Covey's, I guess, the main thing I took out of that book. There were mm. things that I just could not control, but the things that I could influence, um, you know, protecting my daughters, I'd go down to the beach every morning at dawn, uh, and I'd look up at the sky and I'd say, God, what are you going to do to me today? And, you know, sure mm. enough, he'd do something. <laughs> <laughs> and then off yeah. we go for another day. And and I just look at it and I think this next year about monetizing and sales, we've mm. got all the information out there. Uh, we've got you guys helping us. People are sharing their successes every day in various ways. Authors do make money. Um, entrepreneurs make money. Uh, everyone's very generous with their with their support. So my guess is if we're failing... It's because we're not either aiming a high enough, we're not leveraging ourselves, or we just don't want it enough. Yeah, yeah. There's a difference between being an author and being an entrepreneur. An author is a person who, I believe, puts out one book. An entrepreneur who sees beyond the book, perhaps to other books, those back-end products, and is actually making some serious money. Now, most of us, some of us may be in that I'm becoming an entrepreneur. I'm an author or I'm becoming an author. And then you've got to take that, that next big leap over. Um, and, and there is a point, like you're coming to a point in your entrepreneurial journey, Melinda, where, you know, it's you're burning all your bridges. In three weeks' time, you know, there's no checks coming in. There's only coming in what you're actually self-generating yourself. And there does come a point in every author and entrepreneur's life when they realize that they want to take they want to get serious with this so they'll strap themselves in and they've got their hands firmly on the wheel look at there and they're looking through the windscreen and they're going they're going crazy forward and that's where you're at and you know many years ago i was in a role 
where my first sales career job, I I, I had two hungry kids, had a, had a wife who was looking after them at home, so she we didn't have her income, and um, I had a hungry bank manager who each month had his hand out wanting to get paid his mortgage, um, and I had no other way. I mean, I had to sell, and when you've got that perspective everything ramps up your whole senses change you, you know what you know you suddenly you, you haven't got time to watch tv anymore uh, you're very focused you you are there's a lot of things you cut off your life to be able to add space and mental energy to be able to put into something that you believe is far more productive and far more beneficial for you which is you know where you're at right now yeah and look everybody it is very very exciting um, but don't think that it's easy. It can be just as scary as all hell. Um, but if we don't look ourselves in the mirror and we don't think that we can do it, then, you know, sure as eggs, we won't. Um, and that's like meeting people like yourself, um, Barry, and meeting other people in this entrepreneur group, uh, people come to you when you need them as well. Mm, yeah. That's right. I mean, some things don't happen to you because you don't need it. But when you're desperate, it's amazing what comes around you, the people, the circumstances, the opportunity. The person who's doing the right thing at the right time uh, will find thing, good things will come to them. Truly believe that. Yeah, and uh, everybody, as I said, I'll, I'll certainly record this journey. Um, and Barry has this amazing book uh, that he has out that I bought last night, and it's called Sell with Confidence. Crush your fear of being rejected, avoid being pushy, and have the courage to make money selling. Um, so what we've got pinned on our foreheads in this household is stop giving everything away, mummy, um, because mm. we won't eat. <laughs> no, no, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, you know we've we've all been at that place where we've given away because we're the thing is that you're a nice person. All of the those people listening today, everyone else is really nice out there. But you know sometimes when I'm an audience, I say to people, put up your hand if you're a nice salesperson. Ninety nine percent of the people put their hands up. Put up your hand, or should I say, leave up your hand if you are too nice. Everyone gets my point, and and some hands still raise. In other words. There's a difference between nice and there's being too nice. Nice is mutually beneficial for you and your readers and whoever you're selling to. Too nice is really good for them, not as good for you. Yeah. Too nice is not nice. Yeah, and I think I think as authors we fall into that. Like certainly on my Facebook, a lot of the authors are with, um, I guess, the romance authors, and they're traditionally published, and so they they have a big team behind them organising all their sales and organising all their marketing. As entrepreneurs, as indie publishers, we have to do it ourselves. Um, but I just see that as the most exciting time. And probably at no other time in history could we, could we, or would we be allowed to take that kind of responsibility for our own way forward? Mm, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And, so, yep. and, no, well, both of us pay for it. That services too, like they're paying for it in money. We're paying for it in money and time. Um, but I think though that whole self education area is so important. And I'm glad that I know significantly more than I did two years ago. And in two years' time, I'm going to get know significantly more than I do now. So it's all good. The learning journey is, I think, just as as important, but also as exciting as the whole um, success journey as well. 
Yeah, and I, look, everybody, I will get Barry back on if, if you're so kind enough, Barry, because I think we oh. need that constant reminder that yeah. it's okay to strive and mm. it's, um, as women especially, we need to say, yes, it's okay to have confidence in ourselves and focus on ourselves because yeah. focusing on ourselves is called ego, you know, and, yeah. and you're going, oh, yeah. that's not good enough. And I'm going to let you go, but before I let you go, I want to talk to you. You made a comment very early in the piece and it made me have a bit of a chuckle. My wife and I of 25 years and sometimes we didn't think we were going to make it that far. Mm. Now, I wouldn't be the good journalist that I am if I didn't come back and say, you wrote three relationship books on, um, I guess, relationship rehab, strong women in bad relationships. And I'm just wondering, how did a man... Um, write a book titled Strong Women in Bad Relationships. And I guess this is the one that was going to make you infamous. Yeah, it was. That was the one I was going to go on Ella and Oprah. Uh, <laughs> but unfortunately, the email or the fax didn't get through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so um, I, I certainly made some mistakes, and I think every husband does, but you know, I put my hand up for the mistakes I made. And the... Uh, the book was around the person that I used to be in terms of the control, in terms of just being the man I, that I sh- that I should have been to my wife, but I wasn't. And so, it's based upon my experiences and other other ex- women friends that I've had and family uh, who have ex- been live have lived with or are living with people of who I used to be. And so I knew who I used to be. And, you know, to be honest, I was a monster. And I, I wouldn't, I actually got to a point where I didn't actually like myself. And I thought to myself, no, when I having so many problems with my marriage, because I don't like myself. So how on earth is my wife going to like me, let alone love me, or want to be with me? And so, you know, I've been separated twice. Um, and we've got back together again, have counseling. And now, you know, marriage is good and we're, we're going on well. So that's great. But I, I felt there was a need to be able to have a book by a man about the person that I was. Usually it's a woman writing about a man. So this is, you know, it's quite unique. But it's interesting because when I put out my three relationship books, a lot of people said to me, what are you doing relationships for? It was like out of character for me. They said, why don't you do it on vision casting, being positive, um, goal setting, sales. I mean, that's who you are. And I said, yeah, that's who I am, but this is where I want to go on. And so, yeah, I wrote three and I said I was going to take that and this comes back to what we were talking about before. Some some routes take well, journeys take a different route, and I thought that I was going to start courses and doing blogs and podcasts and things like that. The whole relationship side of things, but that changed, and my focus is now on selling. And it's interesting when since I've found that flow, I found that stream of gold that I'm attracting more people to myself in terms of me helping other people in terms of people wanting to get me on. You know, like great you know, a podcast like this. And so, yeah, this is where I'm going. This is where I'm happy. And, yeah, so I'm excited. All right. And the next book that Barry's going to buy is going to be called Good Guys Can Sell Too um, because sales salespeople do have such a bad reputation. Um, but turning that around and helping the rest of us sell is just such a good thing. And everybody out there, don't forget, this Strong Women in Bad Relationships would be fantastic research for our next romance novel because we can get our antagonist and our protagonist out of that book so you've actually done us a service barry wonderful 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 um can i just mention can i just say something in closing yep 
please. Um, I know you probably got um, a good measure of percentage of women in this group, and you made a comment before about you know women striving towards something. And one of the things that women are very good at, they're very good at being selfless. The, they think less of themselves in, 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 in the right sense of the word because they're thinking of their family, they're thinking of others around them and, 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 and that type of thing, and that's good. And they love helping people. And if you can redefine selling as actually helping people, it'll do a world of difference. It'll change your whole emotional connection with selling rather than being pushy. Now, I'm not trying to be pushy. I'm actually trying to help my readers. I'm trying to help people with coaching services that I can offer or or pending courses that I'm looking at putting out. So that can really change things. And so that's just working from a natural thing that you're already good at. You love helping your family, love helping your kids, your partner, et cetera. cetera. Um, So it's a nice way of being able to sort of repackage and redefine sales into, hey, it's not selling, I'm helping. Yeah. But the good thing is, though, Belinda. Oh, oh, where'd you go? Where'd you go? Hello? You there? <laughs> what happened? Hello? Are you there? I'm uh, here. Vaguely. Now, you were going to say something really profound there, and our sound just completely went on us. Oh, are you there? I am now. Okay, okay. Um, I was talking about, I don't know, how. when did I lose Okay, you? I don't know, but let's have a pause. You were going to say you were helping us. Um, uh, <laughs> um, being Selling is a good thing because we're helping people. Yes, cause, and if you can redefine the whole thing of selling, you, you're not being intrusive, you're not being pushy, you're not being a pain in the neck. Um, you're actually there to help people. Um, the good thing is that when life's an echo, so what goes out comes back, and so as you help people – with entertaining them through your books or bringing your transformation into their lives, then they help you. Because what, what, what do they want from you? They want your writing skills and everything that can enhance their life. What, what do you want from them? You want money. <laughs> you know, you, let's get it crudely speaking, you want their money. So that's a great exchange. They're getting what they want. They value it. They pay you for it. Everyone's happy. Yeah, and I think that win-win situation is is something that is, um, I guess, was it Napoleon Hill or one of those? Right from the very beginning in those very, very early sales books, I guess, and self-help books and all the rest of it, is win-win is what we, what we want to create. We have something of value to offer uh, yes. and it meets people's needs and that's what we want to focus on. Uh, Barry, where can we find you? Yeah, salesensation.com would be the best way. You can, there's plenty of forms on there. You can email me. Yeah, salessensation.com, helping yep. your sales explode. Yeah, and um, one-on-one mentoring? Yes, yes, absolutely. And the good thing about what I do is I do have a um, sort of a structure in terms of coaching. Uh, however, it's very bespoke. It's customized for what people want. I appreciate that people are different at different levels in life uh, in their writing and in the entrepreneurial journey. And so I'll certainly be able to t- uh, tailor something appropriately both in terms of content and also investment amount yeah and everybody i'll let you know um how we go marketing my teen rome what is it teen novel writing course um Mm. over the next little while because it's a very targeted course and it's helping uh kids unleash their creativity so much potential so many great ideas there um, it's it's reaching my market. That's the challenge that Barry's going to help me with. Don't forget Barry's got his book, Sell with Confidence, Crush Your Fear of Being Rejected, Avoid Being Pushy, and Have the Courage to Make Money Selling. Uh, and you can find Barry at his sales enthusiast and confidence um, sales sensation. So it's goodbye from me and right around the road and 
Barry, good uh, good morning to you. Ah, goodbye, and thank you very much for everyone listening in. All the very best. Look forward to hearing from you again. Okay, and it's bye from Rudder on the Road. Thank you.